This podcast is supported by Notch Beer, brewing and serving European-influenced beer in their beer hall and beer garden, and not only their beautiful location in Salem, Massachusetts on the Salem Harbor, but also in their brand new brewery at 525 Western Avenue in Brighton, Mass., just minutes from downtown Boston, where they also have a beer hall and a beer garden, and check this out, an outdoor live performance and music space. Not only do you get some of the finest brews around, but you can also enjoy live music in their outdoor venue, and indoors they have a DJ spinning vinyl. How cool is that? You know how much we love vinyl around here. And it even gets better. They have free parking. You know how hard it is to get free parking in Boston? It's almost impossible, but they have parking. Notch's beer is available at retail locations throughout Mass and Rhode Island and also through mail order direct from Mass and PA. If you haven't tried Notch yet, it's about time you do. Get yourself a Notch beer or better yet, head over to Notch Brewing and tell them Twisted Rico sent you. Welcome to Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo, and today we'll be playing you an interview with one of the real nice guys in the business, John Bianelli. I've known John since the 80s, the early 80s, in fact, when I met him through the outlets, and he was sending me live cassettes of some of my favorite Boston bands, who he was not only friends with, but was also carrying equipment around for. And, you know, if you've been paying attention to this show, you know we love guys guys that started off as roadies. We've had Reverend Hank on twice. We had Tom Wilson on. We had the great Knight, Knight Bob Tchaikovsky. And today we have John Bianelli, who has been in the Aerosmith camp since the early 90s and has worked his way up to the ranks, right up to the very top of the management chain. Uh, John is officially Aerosmith's road manager and travels primarily with Joe Perry, he also handles all of Joe's solo stuff, and he's also the road manager for the Hollywood Vampires. <laughs> How cool is that? Um, you know, long before John got to where he is now, he worked with a ton of really cool Boston bands in the 80s. He worked with Boys Life, The Outlets, The Blackjacks, Band 19, The Bristols. He toured the world with the Del Fuegos from 1986 to 1990. He also hit the road with Gang Green during their Roadrunner um, Records era, which was a really important era for the band. Um, he started to do a tour with The Replacements in 1991, but he had to leave the tour unexpectedly right before it started due to his father's passing. And that's when he ended up with Aerosmith, and that's where he's been ever since. Except for one period of time, which we talked about during the interview, around 2004 to 2005, when he worked on tours with Velvet Revolver, for a few months, and then Black Sabbath. Wow. I mean, this is some pretty cool stuff that John's done. And when you listen to the interview, you're going you're gonna to dig it, man. John's a really cool guy. He really opened up about a lot of things. And he told us a few things we didn't know. And he shared some incredible stories with us. But as usual... Before we play you the interview with John, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, his beginning, I mean, and I'm going to play you a track from John's fellow Malden, Massachusetts pals, Boy's Life. Uh, this song has been one of my favorite songs since I first heard it way back, and I spun it several times at the college radio station where I worked at, WDJM. Uh, this song is called I Founder. It, the band is Boy's Life. Show up and save my life Just when I thought there was no hope 
Remember when you used to send me? You brought me a cassette today, a Dineros cassette. But do you remember when you used to send me live tapes? I think Dave Barton's the one that introduced us originally, yeah. and you ended up sending me these live tapes. And I believe you—you're the one that sent me the Boys' Life live from CBGB show. It had she, she said, she said the Beatles song on oh, yeah. it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure your name and numbers on that tape. Yeah, if it if it wasn't me, it was John Surrett. But uh, yeah, that was '84. Yeah, while I was working at Enigma, you, yeah. I think I met you when I came to Boston, and then Dave introduced us. I'm pretty sure because I was working with the outlets, and then all of a sudden you just started sending me these cassettes. I have a bunch of them, the board mixes and stuff, you know, yeah. which I love that shit. I hope man. you still have them. Oh, I have all of them. I have. <laughs> There's this guy, Paul Fox. I don't know if you know him. He runs an eyeglass place. He's yeah. trying to buy my outlets tapes from me. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to sell them, man. They're like, you know, cool live tapes. You know, I, he's been trying to sell them to me. So you were born right here in Somerville where we are, and then you moved to uh, Malden. How did that help? Yeah, I, uh, I had asthma growing up. And by the time I got up to the school, my mother had to come and pick me up and bring me back home because I, I was out of breath and the school was on a hill. So she decided uh, it was either I don't go to school or we find a, a a school that I didn't have to walk up a hill. So we moved out to the country, to Malden. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, my, my aunt and cousins lived there too. So the, they bought a house right next to a school. So the first in first grade, I missed a hundred days of school. Second grade, I didn't miss one. Wow! So see, when I think of Malden, I think of hockey players and rock stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a few rock stars, anyways. Gary, the Sh Gary and Marcus Sharon. Yeah, the Surrettes are from Malden, and too, they right? played hockey. They played hockey yeah. too. Yeah, and the the father Paul Surrett was the head of like Malden Youth Hockey or something. He was uh, really into it. I'd go down their basement and take all the sticks and, and Malden shirts, you know, have a little collection of them. Wow, I wonder if the boys... I think I gave them back. I wonder if the Boys, boys Life vs. Outlets EP that came out had anything to do with, like, because they were kind of, like, looking like they were going to brawl on the cover. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who would win that fight, but <laughs> I was thinking about that. Like, whose idea was it? Probably Richie Parsons, but wh whose idea to have two bands on one single? Like, I'm sure bands after that have done it, but who was the first one to do it, especially around here? That could be one of the first split singles, actually, because it came out in 80, right? 81. 81? Yeah. That's going way back, man. No, Holy it could have been 80. Recorded in 80, early 81. I was in college radio and played the hell out of that, man. And uh, before you came on, I played I Found Her. Mm -hmm. Well, Nash played it, actually. Uh, I found her because it's like one of my all-time favorite 
Boston songs. Uh, I was a huge Boys Life fan. Were they the first band that you actually started working with? Number one. They were the first yep. band. First and, one. And how did that all happen? Were you in that same neighborhood? or I, I think I was into music, and I think I had the single. And one day after school, Malden High, I'm playing basketball, and just me and another guy. And I looked at him, and I'm like, you're the sax player for Boys Life. And he Neil goes, Sugarman. He, no, it was before him. It was Ed Weston, who was oh, from Ed, Malden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said to him, you know, yeah, you're on, you're on the back of the record. And he goes, well, I just quit. I'm going to college next year. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, I want to get into, I want to go to clubs. I want to be in this music business. You know, how do you do it? And he goes, well, you got to be a roadie or be in a band. And I'm like, uh, I, th I think I could do the roadie part of it. <laughs> so he said, go to um, Music Land in Med uh, the Meadow Glen Mall in Medford. And see Dave Surrett, who is the manager there. Dave was their manager, yeah. And John's I went brother. down there, and I talked to him, and something happened. There was an opening, and my first show was, uh, I think it was in June of 81. I was 16, and it was at Ralph Ralph's in Worcester. No way. And Wow. How'd you get in? <laughs> they, I don't know. If you were lifting gear into a club at that time, they let you in. So I looked at the stairs in the bass amp, and I'm like, wow, I don't know about this. But <laughs> Did they have one of those big amp pegs? Oh, yeah, like a, yeah, oh SVT head. And, but that was the start of it. So then, then it ended up, I know you gave me a list of all the bands I named it before you came on. Was the out, were the outlets next? Or? Yeah, the outlets kind of, Boys Life, were, they were slowing down. And then the outlet said, you know, why don't, why don't you help us out too? And I'm like, okay. And I was listening to Tom Wilson, who we have a similar path. We didn't get paid. We got like five or 10 bucks a show and we didn't care. You know, it was, it was fun. But Boys Life opened up for Stiff Little Fingers, Echo and the Bunnymen, Duran Duran. I was at that Echo and the Bunnymen show. That was and, great. And, channel, and, right? The channel. Uh, no, they... They opened up for them in uh, in New York at the Ritz and the Peppermint Lounge. Ooh. Boys Life was kind of like the New York, you know, they opened up for a lot of good bands in New York. Outlets did a lot of good bands in Boston. So you did a little traveling <laughs> yeah, early on. Yeah, it was fun. That was back in the days where you had to drive back after the show. There's no hotels or anything yeah. that you could afford. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so then, then it ended up getting the word got out to other bands because I know you work with the Bristols. Well, and yeah, I, I would do the Blackjacks and then the Bristols. They'd open up for the replacements or something, and and then I I hooked on with the Del Fuegos, and that that was where I was like, okay, this is this is something I can do. This is interesting. Yeah, because you said they were the first band that you went on like a world kind of tour with. Did you actually go to Europe and other countries with oh, the yeah. Del Fuegos? Yeah, um, we toured the world and elsewhere. But uh, the beginning of it, they did a club tour in 86. It was kind of like right at the end of that Boston Mass album. And uh, then all of a sudden they're doing three weeks with ZZ Top on the Afterburner tour. Wow. And this is like not one night two nights no you're playing four nights at landover maryland the cap center or you're playing three nights in um new jersey at the meadowlands and i was like holy shit then they morphed that into a, a summer tour with in excess that was three three months pretty much three months long and then the next year they did the tom petty georgia satellites um rock and roll caravan tour so it was pretty uh they pretty came crazy. really close the del yeah. fuegos are one yeah. of those bands that just missed yeah slash warners i think they yeah. were on and they just and then I, they were on rca did yeah. you were you at the show at club lingerie in hollywood when joe strummer and david lee roth and paul wester it was like a room full of rock stars but there were only like 70 mm -hmm. people there i was at that show mm -hmm. and all those guys were there to see the band 
that might have been before 86. It was, uh, it might have been 85, actually, something like that. Yeah, but I there was were, still with the outlets back Yeah, then. there was a buzz on the Del Fuegos, for yeah. sure. Well, Robert Plant liked them, Springsteen liked them. Yeah, they, they it, it was funny because my first tour when they did clubs, it was like a rider you know, which is what they want in the dressing room. You know, we would, we go on at 1130. Okay. You know, we, we want two bottles of this and we want this and that. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is professional. <laughs> and, uh, you should see the riders now that I've seen. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine, man. I've, I've worked, I worked for a major label, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so after that, you ended up with the replacements but then your father passed away. Yeah, what? I didn't. I didn't get to do one one show with the replacements. Oh, you didn't do no. any shows with them. I I was hired as a drum tech. It was the All Shook Down album, and I went out to Minneapolis and we did um, a week's worth of rehearsal, you know, give or take. Then we flew out to um, Northern California, and the day before the show. My father passed oh. away, and uh, I got on a plane and came home, obviously, and I decided, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go back yet, and they were like, take your time, come back in a couple of weeks, and then the Aerosmith thing came. How did that, come, how did that happen? Uh, I knew somebody was, that was working in the office, and we were, um, she was she was friends with my then girlfriend and, and she said, yeah, there's an opening if you want to, you know, come in and, you know, have an interview. So I did, I got the gig and that was, you know, 31 years ago. The rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Right. So what was your first, were you with, I know that you're Joe's guy, you've been Joe's guy forever. Were you with Joe right away? No, or? no. I actually worked in their office for the first, I don't know two or three years, maybe three years. And then I did some of the uh, Get a Grip tour, which was in 94, and then had been on the road ever since. But it wasn't until 99. The band always flies um, in a private plane, a leased private plane. And in 99 in Europe, they decided our families are coming, let's get buses. So each guy kind of picked who they wanted as their road manager. And uh, Joe said, yeah, I want John to come with me. And I've been with him ever since. Wow. So. That's cool. Yeah. I remember watching the, I guess it was the Grammys or the music course or something. And I didn't even know that you were working for Aerosmith. And they, Steven Tyler yeah. goes, we want to thank John Bianelli. You were the first person they thanked. And I'm like, I know him. And I was with a bunch of people and like, you know him? I'm like, yeah, he's from, I know him. You know, it was just so, I, I was so happy for you because I love to hear when someone starts off, you know, doing, yeah. carrying equipment down the stairs at the Rat and the next thing you know, they're with, on a major tour. Yeah, I was shocked too. And the, the, the funny thing was Madonna was behind him. You know? Oh, she so introduced like, him? Yeah, she, you know, the an award goes to Aerosmith and it was her. So that was pretty cool. Add a little uh, nice uh, icing on the cake, I guess. Did you end up staying and living in Boston the whole time? Yeah. In fact, I just moved about, I don't know, February of 2020 because my wife is from Ohio and we moved back there. Whereabouts she, in Ohio? Uh, outside of Cleveland. Cleveland? Yeah. That's a little bit of a difference than Boston. Yeah, it, I don't know. It's the where we live is more New Hampshire. Oh, really? You know? Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's a lot different. It's great to come back here. You know, I was going to come back a lot more, but you know, with the pandemic, it was kind of tough. But yeah, before I ask you about what the future plans are, I have to ask. I mean, you've been with Aerosmith for like thirty years. Yeah, hard to believe. So you probably have a million stories. But what are some of the stories that you can remember? What do you, what are some that of the I could things? tell, or yeah, you know, like that, yeah, you, you had yeah. Night Bob on, <laughs> and I'm like waiting for the juicy stuff, and and he's he's good at you know being tight lipped on. Yeah, he definitely things. told me more things on the phone yeah. than he did on the interview. But 
you know, that's, met, that's why he's still well liked by the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant more like, you know, if there's big shows that you remembered or certain countries or certain tours or things like that, is there anything that really stands out in your mind? There's, there's actually way too many of them, you know, and I was thinking, okay, where do you, where do you start really? Like, you know, one day you're in Nashville and, uh, Phil Everly, the Everly brothers is there. One day, uh, Eric Burden is there. You know, the, you know, my favorite band growing up was Kiss. They do a Kiss tour, you know, and I don't know. I, it's just way, way too many. Here's here's a story. They were doing um the Grammys, Stephen and Joe, and it was Sly, Sly Stone. And, you know, he never plays. And he, they were honoring him for something. And he's playing, and Stephen and Joe are playing with him. So we're there for rehearsal. I think it was 2006. And as we're walking back to the dressing room after the rehearsal, McCartney's coming the other way and they just kind of locked. And I got to say, they talked for about, I don't know, 20 to almost 30 minutes, just about everything. And this is after rehearsal. There's places, you know, people are walking by and Bruce Springsteen walked by. Hey, how you doing? (laughs) They're just, you know, Steve and Joe, wives and um mccartney and that was something that i'll I'll never forget but the the funny part was steven said oh you know we're doing helter skelter it's the first song of the set and mccartney goes first song of the set you're gonna burn your voice out and he goes i don't believe you can play that first song and on cue i whipped out the set list from my back pocket and I held it up, and McCartney's looking at it, and he goes, oh, okay, I believe you now. <laughs> and I pulled out a Sharpie out of my other pocket, and I said, you mind signing it for me? And he's like, no, no, not at all. So he's signing it, and he's still talking. And they were doing a documentary on McCartney, and they're filming all this. So I have the film of him signing it. But the funny thing was, he hands it back to me. Later on, Tyler, I'm walking to the dressing room, and he goes, you motherfucker. And I'm like, oh shit, am I in trouble? Is that, is that not a cool thing to do? And he goes, no, I was going to ask you to give me the set list so I could get it signed. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, so I took the set list. I got it framed. Kevin Mazur, the, the photographer sent me a picture of it and I had it framed and I gave it to Steven and it's, it's on his piano at at home, which is nice. That's pretty cool. But that's a that's a cool story. That's a good yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good story. I, yeah. I mean I've seen a lot of photos with you of with different rock stars online. So I can imagine it's like that every night, you know. I got I got to see Aerosmith a lot, but it's really weird. Um David Robertson, I don't know if he was there when still he, there. He when, was kinda leaving at that point to do you know, he was managing the, the neighborhoods uh, and I said, Peter he, Wolf. Yeah. So he was kind of like cleaning out his office when, when I first started, yeah. but I got to know him a little bit. Yeah, he, he got me, uh, when they did loving an elevator video out in uh, California, mm-hmm. I got to spend the whole day one day. And I met the whole band and everything. I had met Brad one other time before that. Cause you know, he worked with the neighborhoods and I worked mm-hmm. with the hoods, but I really liked the guys at Aerosmith, they were really nice guys. My girlfriend that was with me couldn't stop talking about, Joe was looking at me the whole time, you know, that we were there, you know. <laughs> Probably not, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's shit in her mind. She thought that. Yeah. She thought Joe Perry was in love with her. But, yeah. you know, I didn't care. I'm like, you can make off on Joe Perry for, you know, for, you know, for a few nights or whatever, you know, yeah. I didn't care. Um. Around there's a lot of stuff here. Around two thousand and four, five, you went on the road with Velvet Revolver and Black Sabbath. I guess you know different tours. Yeah, uh, that must have been something right there. I mean, w- talk about Velvet Revolver first, because I really like that band. Their singer was a little, rest in peace, was a little out there, but the band was like solid band. Well. Uh, end of 2004, Stephen had um, Hep C. Well, well documented. Well documented. Yeah. And 
Joe said to me after a show, he goes, hey, we're going to have to pull a plug on everything for a year. So uh, all I can say is if something comes up for you, you should you should grab it because I'm I might do a solo record. I'm going to be in the studio, but I'm going to be tied up. Everyone's going to be tied up. So we're pulling the plug. Okay. And we'll see you in a, in a year. So I put up a few feelers out and Ross Howe from the photographer said, oh, yeah. Yeah. he goes, Hey, uh, you know, Velvet Revolver's looking for an assistant tour manager. You want to do that? And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. So the first show was um, uh, New Year's Eve 2004. And I was with him for about, I don't know, two or three months. And he goes, he calls me up again. He goes, how'd you like to do Black Sabbath? Ozzy has a tour manager, and the other three guys need a tour manager. Ooh. And I'm like, oh. Oh, okay, there's still more of this tour left, but uh, it's Black Sabbath, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I kind of, I called up each guy in the band, except for Scott, but I, I I probably talked to Scott about three or four times the whole time I was there. He was just... In his own world? He, yeah, yeah, he had he had his guy, and, and he was always nice to me. And I to this day... I don't know, you know, besides the obvious front men, you know, he was one of the best. And yeah. He was just great. But um, so then the Sabbath thing happened. But right in the middle, Joe put out a solo record and he did a couple of shows. He went to New York. He did a bunch of press and I got to do that. Then I jumped on the Sabbath thing. That went to September of 2005 it was um europe and then it was the states Ozfest, and uh the funny thing is in europe velvet revolver opened up about five or six shows so it was good to see everybody but uh oh they opened for sabbath yeah oh that's and what a festival wow. <laughs> it was oh, that's a show <laughs> there was um uh, motorhead played and funny story um Ross Halfen friends with Ozzy and, and Sabbath. And he goes, hey, uh, you're doing a show in, in Amsterdam or somewhere. Can Jimmy Page come on the plane and and come to the show? So one, one show, Jimmy Page was just kind of like hanging out, talking to people on the plane, goes back. And, you know, so that was that was a pretty cool moment. Wow. But then when, when the Sabbath thing ended... Aerosmith started up two weeks later. So 2005 was a pretty busy year. You didn't have much of a break. <laughs> no, but it was it was well worth it. So uh, you said you were working with the other three guys in Black Sabbath. Tony yeah. Iommi, it's got to be, I mean, he seems like he would be one of the coolest guys. Nicest guy. Yeah. Nicest guy. I, of course, you know, there's Joe, you know, and, those guys, yeah. you know, Brad and Tom and Steven, they're Joey. They're all great guys, but they feel like family now. Yeah. But with Tony Iommi, he is, I'd have to say he is the nicest guy I've ever met in rock and roll. I believe that. He's best friends with Brian May. I met yeah. Brian May, and he's, I think he's one of the nicest guys I ever met. I can imagine those two together. Yeah, you know? ever, there's there's interviews with Brian May where you could tell he's upset with the, the interviewer, but he's he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cannot do this. Nothing against you, but I cannot do this. And I'm like, this guy is a nice guy. Tony's the same way. And they're really good friends. Yeah. Too. Yeah, I know. I I they they always say they're gonna do things together and I keep waiting for that. Well to they happen. they did the that memorial. Yeah, the live Freddy, aid was great. Yeah. I mean not live aid, uh the Freddie Mercury yeah. tribute concert when they played together, it was fantastic. Geezer, nice guy, Bill Ward, the drummer. Oh the great guys. Was that the Ozfest tour that Ozzy didn't sing and one of the dates and Rob Halford? No, that happened the I think the, the year before. Yeah, because I that, that's on. I've seen that on on YouTube. I couldn't believe how easily Half, Halford filled filled in. It, yeah, it was. You know, they're 
Birmingham guys, but still, it wasn't Ozzy. Right. You know? So you said Kiss was one of your favorite bands growing up. Was Sabbath right there with Kiss? No, I didn't know a whole lot uh, about Sabbath back then. You know, growing up where we did, it was Kiss, Cheap Trick, you know, Aerosmith, Ted Nugent. You know, this is all 76 to to 80, and then the, the punk stuff took over. But no, I was... Beach Boys first, then Beach morphed, Boys. Yeah, then morphed into Kiss. That was my first show. Beach Boys, Boston Garden, nineteen seventy-eight. Wow, that's yeah. a good first show. Yeah, and my <laughs> the, mother took me. Wow, that is cool. <laughs> I'm going to go back for a second here because I want to talk about Malden a little more. I didn't talk about Malden enough. Did you know the Sharones too really well when you were growing up, Gary and Marcus? No, I I knew Gary. When I was 18, I worked at that same music land that I, I met Dave Soretta in. Gary worked there. And wow. Gary kind of worked during the day because he, he needed his nights off. And then we would work a few hours in between. But, yeah, I've known Gary for a little little bit of time. I forgot until you gave me this cassette that Gary actually produced the De Niro's. And uh, I thought it's kind of an unusual match, but they're all Malden guys, you know? Yeah, well, Gary is a music aficionado. You know, he, Nuno, I guess, is too. I don't know him as well, but but Gary knows a, a, a lot. And, and if you listen to his solo stuff, it's it can be pretty out there. But he, he meshed, he loved Boy's Life. He loved the song Colorblind. That was his favorite song. And then... You know, the few times, you know, that he was with John, John was like, why don't you produce us? And he did. Yeah, I got to know Gary and Nuno because I worked at A&M when they were they were they were doing pretty well at that time. In fact, I remember taking Nuno once to the to uh, a hard rock show. He did a a, like a little acoustic thing and talked and he was with his Mm -hmm. wife was really cool i don't know if they're still together she was in a band from uh she was from australia and they were really mm-hmm. both of them were cool gary and i you know you know how italians get along oh, yeah. and stuff you know <laughs> so we were you know it was cool i always liked those guys well, gary's mother was a gym teacher at malden high oh really yeah it's funny so. that you know when you think about these guys in malden yourself included you guys all grew up probably the same way I did, like low middle income families, uh, low to middle income families, and it was never easy when you're in those kind of situations. You're scraping to get by, and it was. It's good to see that guys from that town actually make it. You know? Yeah, and I told like you this. You. <laughs> yeah, well, my father worked in this building that we're in right now. You know, in the '60s, '70s, into the early '80s. So, yeah, he was a welder, and then we moved to Malden. But uh, I think, you know, Jack Albertson, the actor, was from Malden. He was? Yeah. Wow, I did not and, know that. Um, There's a bunch of hockey players from Malden, too, right? I mean, I don't get I, um, I always feel like Malden. Malden and, Catholic was, like, yeah. the hockey team back in especially the 70s tough town too man those towns are really tough towns to grow up in i mean you have to know how to scrap and stuff if you're from those those neighborhoods yeah once the uh, orange line came out there it was uh gloves were (laughs) off but a lot of street hockey stick ball you know yeah, I grew up in the Worcester area. It was the same, you know. It was it wasn't quite Malden. Yeah, well, you had Dennis Leary. And, yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, you know, you I know you travel with Joe, and Joe Joe's been your guy all along, which means that you and you told me this, you got to go on the road with the Hollywood Vampires. Yeah, that. <laughs> now that must be. I can't imagine walking in the room and you got Alice Cooper, Johnny Depp, and Joe Perry hanging out together. That must have been incredible it's a total different vibe you know with with those three guys than the the five aerosmith guys and it's the greatest rock show they're the most expensive cover band ever not anymore because the, the the last record was uh all originals but well, mostly originals but uh yeah it's it's a lot of fun and it's just fun watching people 
oh, there's Joe. Here he comes over to the side of stage. Oh, there's Johnny. Ah. And then all of a sudden, Alice comes in with the, you know, knives and busting up the joint. But <laughs> it, it it is pretty pretty crazy in the dressing room, too, because they they're just yapping the whole time and they love each other. Yeah, Johnny Depp is no novelty act. He's a real he rock play. guy. Yeah, he can play, definitely. Did you, know? you get to, well, obviously, you, you probably, they were, they, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do anything else anymore, but they had a pretty long run where they had a lot of guests. Other famous musicians yeah. played with them too. You did all of the Hollywood vampire stuff? Yeah, since 2015. Like road manager for them? No, or? I was just with Joe. They There was a, a tour manager, and I just kind of handled Joe, and Johnny had his two guys. And it was it was really it was a lot of fun. It was like a big, big family there, too. But uh, the COVID killed it, uh, a European tour, and hopefully that'll happen at some point. I posted a photo on my Instagram this morning of you and Johnny Depp. <laughs> Oh yeah. I thought it was pretty cool because I've always liked Johnny Depp. I know there's been a little controversy around him, but I, 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 a lot of that stuff seems just like I said, controversial. It's hard to believe there's two sides to every story, you know, I never saw anything like that. Yeah. You know, he, he's came, he played, he, yeah, he might have been late a little bit, but uh, who 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 isn't? You know. How did those guys all end up together? Whose idea was that? Well, I guess the the Hollywood Vampires original were uh, Lennon, John Lennon, um, Alice, Keith Moon, Mickey Dolenz, and Harry Nielsen, and they used to hang out at the Rainbow Room. Yeah, like this everyone yeah. knows this, this yeah. story, but yeah. but then. Uh, Alice kind of, you know, re, re, he wanted to do a record and he ended up having Johnny involved with it because Johnny was in Dark Shadows with him. Alice did the, I think Alice was in it, he did the music. Anyway, that's how it all started. And then Joe, he, he was in town uh, with Aerosmith and they invited him down and it just morphed into what it is now. And, uh, those the, so those are the three core guys, and we're, whenever they go into a, a city, and uh, there's somebody interesting that would you know fit the bill, like you know you know Tom Morello played once, um, Perry Farrell, Kesha. Um, Do they like? Does someone contact them ahead of time, or they just like yeah show so you, up? <laughs> you know, Tommy Hendrickson, the guitar player, yeah. seems to know everybody, and. He, He's a sweetheart of a guy, and he, you know, he'll bring somebody down. Yeah, this guy will fit, and that's the same thing with the songs that they play. the The requirement is every cover that they do, a person in that band had to die. Oh, to wow. do to like you know Zeppelin song or you know Who song or uh, Cold Turkey. You know, somebody that was the requirement. I'm surprised I didn't know that. I thought I, I was a geek, but I'm no. not geeky enough, apparently, to have known that. I did know about the original Hollywood vampires, but I never put two and two together. Thanks for connecting those dots for me. Yeah. Um, I have to ask you about this because I found a photo online with you and uh, this guy, Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, I like almost fell off of my chair. I was like... I would think he'd have to be one of the coolest people that you could ever meet in your life. Musician, yeah. rock star, president, whatever. I'm going to have to, I'll tell you the story, how it happened, but I got to say, I met John McCain too. And you he did? Was, and he was pretty damn cool too. Wow. So that said, we'll, we'll, to the Obama thing, we were finishing up a tour and we did South America and we ended up in Mexico City. And, uh, Joe and I was going back to Florida with Joe because he has a house there. And Stephen said, well, I'm my other band. He's in a band called Loving Mary and they play play out too. Marty Fredrickson's in it. Anyway, they were doing some corporate gig and they had a plane. So he said, hey, Joe, come with us. Okay. So we get on Stephen's plane and lands in Orlando and Obama had just landed. We had to wait 
to circling for like a half hour. What's going on? Oh, Obama. Was he still president at the time? Yes. Okay. It was uh, October of 2016, I guess. Oh, it was right before yeah, the election. He was he was in town doing something for Hillary. Okay. So he had landed and he was gone. So Stephen and Joe lands and we go to immigration and we get into a van because they're like, no cars are allowed out here. You have to go out down the street and then get into your cars and go home. Okay. So we're at the gate and Stephen sees, you know, Air Force One. And he goes, hey, hey, tell, tell, tell the cop there, ask him if we can take a tour of it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, right. And I said, how about you? I was sitting in the front seat. I said, how about you come out and tell the guy? Because he's going to do it for you more than he's going to do it for me. <laughs> so Stephen's like, okay. <laughs> so the window goes down and, uh, hey, you got you to gotta keep moving. Stephen's like, hey, man, Stephen T here, Aerosmith, how you doing? And the guy goes, Jesus Christ, I'm from Providence. <laughs> and Stephen's like, hey, can we take a tour of the plane? He goes, ah, but you can go over there and maybe take some pictures in front of it. Okay, turn the van around. We go to the plane. They're taking pictures. Stephen and Joe taking pictures in front of it. You know, I get a picture and some of the crew guys were there. And somebody comes down the steps and we're like, oh, shit, we're busted. It was the pilot. And he goes, hey, guys, you want a tour of the plane? And they're like, yeah. We had to take everything off, phones, shoes, everything, and we get a tour of the plane. And it's the chef comes out, and it was just a really cool thing. So as we're leaving, one of the guys that was there said, hey, um, Obama's coming back, and he wants to meet you guys. Whoa. And Stephen and Joe. Not me, of course. <laughs> but, not the kid from Malden. But so they're like, you know, he's going to be here in like 20 minutes. So do you want to wait in the FBO, which is the, you know, place to wait at an airport? So uh, they wait. Cry, man. They wait. And then five minutes before he comes back, everyone, you know, everyone's got their shoes on and everything. And we're get, getting ready to take all the stuff off and, and, you know, they're like, no, 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 you can keep whatever you you have on, you know, your phones or whatever. And we're like, okay, well, when he wasn't here, we had to take everything off. Now that he's here, you don't have to take anything off. Okay. <laughs> so they put us in the um, conference room on the plane and you can hear the sirens coming and he's, you know, he's coming back. You can see the lights flashing outside of the the window and everyone's tensing up and then he just he walks in and it's like you know Hendrix walking in or, <laughs> or who you know but he um he spent a good I don't know 20 25 minutes with everybody took pictures and I there was a, a a staff photographer there taking pictures but I said to him I said I said do you mind if I get a picture on my camera he goes yeah 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 give it Give it to him. He'll take it. And he was nice as pie. Wow. When he came in, did he like gravitate towards uh, uh, Steven Tyler? <laughs> nah, both of them, you know? Yeah. You know, and I, I just, uh, it was just one of those times. It's like, you met a president, you know? And what a story, man. Yeah, it was just crazy. And again, with the John McCain. I was going to ask you about that. Just it, Joe was doing something called um, rock stars of science. Because Joe, Joe's really into science, and uh, he, he met um, uh, Rudy Tanzi, who's this, this guy, on, on, um, a doctor who's uh, Alzheimer's okay. research, big into that. Francis Collins, who you probably have seen on the uh, TV lately. These guys are musicians, and Joe is jamming with them. Long story short, the next day he gets uh, an invite to tour um, the Capitol, and he met uh, he met um, McCain and Ed Markey, who's from Malden. Oh yeah, yeah, Ed Markey. Yeah, he's from Malden. Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. yeah. 
I knew he's from. He still past. lives there too. Wow. But nice guy. Yeah. And um, but McCain, you know, went to his office and he came out. He's by himself. Just comes out and it was it was just great. It was just and and so meeting both when people say, "Oh, you met Obama," yeah, I met McCain too, and it's like. I, I don't know, you know, it's like the tension in this country right now, it's like, I'm not, I wasn't so happy about, you know, the other guy, yeah, but, none uh, of us were, <laughs> but anyway, well, that's good, man. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a good attitude to have. I wish there wasn't the tension yeah. either, man. It's like, it's insane. Well, it's going to take me a little while to recover from that the Obama part of the story mm. because it seems so surreal that that would happen. That has to be. I mean, I know you meet rock stars and you hang out with them all the time, but meeting somebody like those guys and he he was knowledgeable of Aerosmith, which I think blew them both away. You know, did he start talking about songs and stuff? Or yeah, you know, he, you know, in his daughters liking them. He talked a lot about Hawaii because Stephen has a place in, in Maui and that's that's pretty much it. It was like, it's almost like a blur because, you know, they're talking and it sounds like, you know, peanuts, you know, wah, 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 wah. And I'm just kind of like looking there like, okay, you know. But Wow. Yeah, you're a pretty good example of, you know, somebody, you got, it's a real American success story, you know? I mean, seriously. I, no, I, mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like, I'm lucky, you know, I got lucky in being, if it all ended tomorrow, I, I got lucky in certain, certain spots and, and, you know, I'm grateful every day, you know, especially for that, those five guys from Boston, you know. So what, speaking of those five guys, I mean, if things can somehow get back to normal, who knows when that'll be. They don't seem like the kind of band that's not going to want to play again. They seem like they probably no. want to continue and go back on the road. They're, I think they're a safe band, you know, and uh, and I think they'll play when, when the time is right. And as of right now, they've got June 1st in Portugal, you know, oh, okay. is, you know is on, on sale, a whole European tour. And then they got Fenway uh, September 8th next year which is like a year away and um that, wow and then year and then i think that if uh you know the machine will get back up and running and and they're they've been a band for over 50 years now they don't want to never play again i don't you know i don't think so if the stones are still out yeah. there going yeah. why won't aerosmith be out there you know and the, yeah they got a lot of celebrating to do and they have a lot of of history in their archives that they want to get out for people to see and hear. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty mind blowing the stuff that, that they have. Boy, it's, it's really a great story going from boy's life to Aerosmith <laughs> and everything in between. We didn't even mention all the other bands. Cause we talked the other day, you said you went with gang, went on the road with gang yeah. green too, you know? I mean, I know that's a different, yeah. Level, but still, you were with but the all-star all, lineup of Gangrene, Joe it, Gittleman and, and Prince Fritz Erickson. And, and, and Brian, got to mention Brian too. Yeah, and they're um they're all still friends too. And it's, that's the thing. It's like growing up, I, uh, I talked to Rick, you know, you know Rick. Rick Barton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't talked to Rick in a little while. Well, he mentioned Tom Brady and... Uh, it's a long... <laughs> it's a, he got... I, you know, I don't even know how to tell the story about how him and I kind of had a little falling out. But Let's hear it. I still love Rick. You know, I mean, I'd love to have Rick on the show. I asked you Dave. Should. I yeah. asked Dave to come on my show, and he's like, I, I, I can't do interviews. I'm like, Dave, you and I have all this history together. We're talking about Dave Barton yeah. from the Outlets, by the way, for people out there wondering. We have all this history. We're in a movie together. You know, we did a yeah, that, we worked on um, a movie, Hard Promises. You know, we we did the Enigma thing and. He won't come on the show because he doesn't like to do interviews. I think he's afraid I might like you know go after him politically, but I would never do that to no. him. You know, he. Um, I don't he care would, about his political. I do, but then again, what can you do about that? He would be a good person to interview. Get them both in there. 
I'd love know? to do that. I'd love to get them both in the same room. I haven't seen them together in the same room since they played the Middle East at the Rumble, and I think that was like I, 10 I years ago. Yeah. yeah, I was That might have been the last time I saw you, actually, yeah. come to think of it. That was a while ago. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that Rick said to say hello. I did try calling him not too long ago, but I couldn't get through to him. I've talked to Steve and his son a few times, but... Uh, you know, maybe this will be the, the, the olive. Uh, I'll get you guys together. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Because it was really dumb what happened. But um, so your future plans are to go continue to be with Aerosmith. Yeah. And once we get past this pandemic. Is the pandemic really messed with you? Yeah. Yeah, it has. And my wife, too, because she, she works for a, a big band that uh, that are in the same boat. And hopefully her band will go out in in June. And same with ours. So, well, cool, man. I know you're only in town visiting, going to a football game. Speaking yeah. Of, uh, see my mother later, going to the football game and, uh, you know, just driving down the streets that I, I grew up in. You know, I was tr- I was pursuing you to get you on the show for a few months, dear. So I'm glad I finally well, got you. Well, I was like, you know, when you first started doing this, I, I not that I pushed it away, but I was thinking like, you know, oh, who who would he talk to? And 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 then I started. I saw Nat Friedberg. Yeah. Who, um, the Upper Crust are one of my favorite Boston bands ever. I, actually, I wanted you to to like you did with Tom Wilson. I'm I listened to that interview and I'm like, oh, maybe he's gonna ask me my favorite bands or what what bands I've seen. So and then you- I got to think about it. <laughs> You know? So who are your favorite bands, uh, John? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you just said uh, the upper boys' crust. life. The, up, no. <laughs> the upper crust. Uh, I, it's like every. I'm kind of sad that they're not playing anymore. Again, you know, maybe they will at some point. I think they will. But I, you'd never have a bad time at their show. You know, it's just so much fun, and they they sound great. The songs, you know. I, I just there's there were a band that I kind of gravitated to maybe because of the whole kiss thing and the and the and the the dressing up and I think I mentioned it to to Gene Simmons one time and he had heard of them and you know he knew of them and that's cool and um, I don't know the the hoods you Minahan you talk about Minahan every week. Well, you know, we have a lot of history together. But you, know? you should get him on here. Well, the only reason <laughs> I, I had Lee on the show, the only reason I haven't asked Dave, because I know he's always busy. Yeah. And for him to leave one studio to come to another studio, I think the way to approach him, I'm doing this live with you right now, is to yeah. probably say, how about if I come to your studio That's, and you yeah. can record the interview and, you know, just send me the MP3 file. So yeah. that might be the only way. And he, uh, he's got a great setup there and, um, you know, yeah, he is. You should be my manager, John. Well, you know, what's funny is (laughs) this all ties together is John Surratt has been in doing a new record with David. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's staying, you know, pretty much current and, uh, we'll look forward to hearing that. I've always been a huge fan of John's music. He's a great writer. He always had. I almost got a, a deal with him, but I couldn't push that one through. Maybe that's why I was sending you the tapes because, you know, it's it's kind of sad about, you know, the the outlets in boys' life. You know, the hood's got a little sniff of it, you know. Yeah. But those guys, it's like the outlets, what happened? What was it that Everyone asked that question about that, them. Why didn't they push it to the next level and – and I think I would have to say touring. They know, didn't do enough of it. They, and, and by the time that they started thinking about it, they missed the boat. But, you know. I we, mean, we, they came out to California and stayed yeah. with me for four days. But that was the extent of it. Then Dave moved out there years later. But he went back to, I don't know, man. Rick, Rick's done good. I mean, he started yeah. to dropkick Murphy. So, I mean, you and know. I, I can't not indirectly got involved very early on with them is we had a boys life outlets reunion wow i wish i would have seen that (laughs) and and it was in 96 i think it was and it was at mamakin wow so i got i got boys life well the outlets headlined 
Boys Life went on next, but it was kind of a co-headline thing. Band 19 with Fritz, because they're one of my favorite, you know, Fritz Erickson, yeah. And then Rick said, hey, how about my baby band? I got a little punk rock outfit. And I'm like, yeah, what's the name of them? Dropkick Murphys. I said, (laughs) okay, yeah. So put Dropkick Murphys on first. So it was the Dropkick Murphys, Band 19, Boys Life, and the Outlets. Wow. And and that was probably about five or six months, you know, from when they started. And then, you know, Rick saw the world with them, too. Yeah. Yeah, I I saw, I got to see them with and without Rick. I like it better with Rick, but, you know, I'm partial. You know, I've always always been like, I always have loved Rick, man, you know, his so he's an unheralded great songwriter. Yeah. I mean, I worked on the Continental Records with him, so you know, it's like yeah. Talented it, brothers. Yeah, you know? I know. I like would love to get them both in here together, yeah. but I don't know if that's possible, but But uh, what okay, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite and I don't want you to get in trouble here, but what's your favorite outlets lineup? Because there are there are many. <laughs> Well, I got I got to go with the um, the Whitey, you know. Even though I worked with uh, the Mike County uh, Walter, I got to go with you know the Bartons, Walter and Whitey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's. I don't think that. I think most people would say that, don't you? I would. I would think so. No offense against uh, the other drummer and the other players, and because there's been a few other guys in and out of the band, but yeah, Rob Johnson, who's a great Rob Blairos, yeah. Great. He's doing well out in yeah. California with uh, soundtracks and things like that. He's doing real good. Yeah, that was an interesting version too. But with Whitey, they had that power yeah. behind them. That was the version you worked with pretty much the originally, yeah. right? Yeah, and then Joe McCormick came in Joe. after. Uh, yep. after and, and Joe was in Boys Life. Yeah. So, but I've, I recently found, I was talking to Rick. I hope I don't get in trouble here, but I'm talking to him and he, he's – he said, we're, we're doing something with somebody. And I'm like, okay, we want to, um, we're trying to find these, these tapes, the channel in this, this school called the Fernell School of the Blind, I think they were. They put the outlets played there. And this is from like 82. This is before I was with them. And uh, 85 at, at the Rat. And he goes, yeah, no one can find them. And I said, yeah, I got them. And he's like, what? Of course you got him. <laughs> and I don't know why. They were on beta, beta max. Wow. And I and I they're not the originals, but so they might be able to to use them in this project that they're doing. But I I lo- I watched them. I got a Betamax machine and I watched them. You have a Betamax yeah, machine. <laughs> I, got, I got one on eBay. And it they're so raw and so young. And yeah, it's I hope, I hope people get to see it again. One of them, the the eighty five one, I think was on like a Watertown um, cable show, but the eighty two stuff is is pretty wild. Yeah, I I don't know what this is that you're talking about, but I can't. <laughs> I hope it happens. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge outlets fan i thought you were gonna ask me what my favorite band was i was like he's not gonna ask me that but i always do say that the outlets really are my favorite with no no offense towards the neighborhoods but Mm -hmm. the outlets were the first band from boston that i got to sign you know when i was at enigma i signed other bands before them but that was that was a big thing Yeah. yeah yeah the record wasn't what i hoped it would be but who cares? I'm talking about the whole New World album, you know. It didn't really represent them and how great they were live, but it still had great songs. Great on songs. It. And yeah. I don't, maybe I'm the only one. I like it. I like that. I, I like studio versions and I, I like live versions. But, you know, hey, if, if it made it, they'd be Green Day right now or, or something. <laughs> they, they were Green Day before yeah. Green Day. <laughs> Yeah. All right. This could go on forever, man. But, you know, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I hope it it was interesting. Very, very. And the the one thing I will say is I feel like I, I, you, I think you got on the boat a little bit earlier than me for the whole Boston rock thing. I missed out on 
the Nervous Eaters, the, the original lineup, the 77 to 80, Nervous Eaters, La Peste, um, Thrills, Unnatural Acts. I missed all that shit. And, and, and I'll never, I'll never You're such get a fan, that. man. That's yeah, what I love about you. You're a fan, you know? But just, you know, I guess support local music. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, man, thanks a lot, John. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for flying it. the flag. Thanks. Yeah. Was probably one of the most fun and incredible interviews I've done to this date. And my engineer here, Mike Nash, reminds me that I say that every week. But this week, <laughs> I really do believe it. I mean, John Bianelli is a cool dude. He shared a lot of cool stories with us. Uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. He he really did almost make me cry when he was telling the Obama story. I, I, I just visualized the whole thing while he was talking about it. Those guys being on Air Force One and hanging out with Obama. I mean, come on. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Come on. Barack Obama, hanging out with him would be cool. Like, totally cool. Um after the interview, you heard one of the great Boston songs, Best Friends by The Outlets, one of the many things that John and I have in common. We really got into The Outlets a little bit there. We got into the Barton Brothers, you know, probably a little more than I expected we, were, we would. And it's true that Rick and I haven't talked to each other for a while, but I would love to talk to Rick. And who knows, maybe, you know, the olive branch, I guess they call it, has been... Put out there and, you know, maybe we'll have Rick on the show one of these days. I don't think he's in Mass. I think he's down in Florida. So it'll probably be like a Zoom 
call or something like that. But we'll see what happens with that. And he was also encouraging me to get Dave Minahan on the show. And I don't want anyone out there to think that I don't want Dave Minahan on my show because it's true what John said. I talk about Dave all the time and it'll happen. I mean, Lee Harrington was on and that was great. And I'll tell you, I'd like to have Mike Quaglier on the show sometime too, the original drummer of the Hoods, and thought about uh, talking to Mike and getting him on. So who knows, that might happen. Uh, For the time being, we have plenty of great guests lined up. So stay tuned for all that fun. Uh, Thank you to everyone out there that supports this podcast on patreon.com forward slash Twisted Rico. I'd love to have more of you support the show there. So please do. And if you ever want to write to me, like many people do, twistedrico at gmail.com. Check out the Instagram page at Blowing Smoke with TR. There's also an at Twisted Rico page, which more people actually actually follow, but it doesn't matter to me. You're going to get the same info in both places. Also on Twitter, at Blowing Smoke uh, BS, and uh, there's a Blowing Smoke YouTube page and a Facebook page as well. Thank you to Mike Nash here at Voice Motel in Somerville, Mass., for engineering the show. Uh, if you want to do a show at Mike, just reach out to him at Voice Motel. You can reach him there on Instagram. And um, that's it, man. It's been a lot of fun this week. Thank you all for listening. Until the next time we say goodbye, this is Blowing Smoke with Twisted Rico. I'm your host, Steve Ricardo. Keep the rock and roll alive. is recorded at Voice Motel, voicemotel.com, your complete podcast recording experience, located in Union Square, Somerville, Massachusetts.